today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A special virtual session is being planned for today for advisors of the World Health Organization as a worrying new variant of the coronavirus. Yeah, another one uh, has emerged in South Africa. The World Health Organization is looking to fill in the gaps about what is known and not known about what they're calling B11529 variant uh, and such impact that it's having right now. And uh, well, as uh, WHO spokesman uh, Christian Lindemar states, uh, it's going to be some time before the variant is properly assessed. Early analysis show that this variant has a large number of mutations that require and will undergo further study. It will take a few weeks. Well, uh, what are we finding out in the meantime and, and how concerned should we be? Uh, tonight, anyway, so pleased to welcome to the program Dr. Matthew Miller. Dr. Miller is a virologist, associate professor of biochemistry and biomedical sciences at McMaster University. Uh, doctor, pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Yet another variant here. Uh, how, how concerned should we be? I mean, the description that we've got from what we know so far uh, is, is rather troubling when you start, start talking about, uh, uh, the, well, I guess basically the thing that most uh, people in your field talk about here is how quickly this can mutate and how quickly it can spread. And it looks like this is uh, something that we uh, need to be paying attention to, especially with this new variant. Yeah, that's right. I think um, I think there's, you know, um, good reason to be concerned, although it is still early days. Um, right now, we don't know much other than um, that this variant has caused a cluster of cases in South Africa and that it does have a, a really sort of unusually high number of mutations, some of which are mutations that we know um, impact the way our immune system recognizes the virus. Um, so, so those signals um, certainly warrant vigilance. Uh, what I would say, though, is that how variants end up evolving in the population and taking over the way that Delta has, for example, in, in Canada and most of the world, is very, very complex. And, and it would be foolish to say that just by looking at the sequence of a virus that we can predict how it's going to do. So it will be really important to continue to monitor monitor this over the coming days and weeks. Um, it certainly could be something that takes off and, and that warrants really serious consideration. But at this point, it could also just as easily fizzle out. I think the good news is, is that it was detected at a relatively early stage so that we can begin the process of trying to understand um, how concerned we should be before the infection spreads too widely. I want to get some detail about what you just mentioned about fizzling out. From my understanding, doctor, I, I, you know, oh, my God, another variant. Here we go again, the Delta variant. Now this. Uh, my understanding is there have been other variants and there have been other mutations. Uh, and, and it's not as if they haven't you know, been of a concern. Certainly they have. But you're right. They haven't caught on. They haven't fizzled. Uh, and, and we just kind of move on from there. So I mean, this is this is, I guess, in one context, this is no news to people like in your field. Oh, OK, there's another variant. It's just a matter of how quickly this is going to spread and and whether or not it's going to be resistant to vaccines, et cetera. In other words, you, you've got to apply the, that that checklist of all the things that you've done with the other variants and say, OK, is this going to be a concern here? Exactly. So we've learned a lot from from some of these other variants that have emerged and then fizzled out, um, which is you know, helping us to be able to make more accurate predictions about um, the likelihood that future variants will, you know, spread in a widespread way um, or begin to sort of dominate the the number of infections that are caused by this virus. However, it really depends on, on a, a complex 
um, sort of milieu of factors. And one of the things that's, you know, really important in considering the situation in South Africa is right now the reports are that this variant is primarily causing infection in a relatively young um, cohort of individuals for whom um, vaccine uptake is is very, very low. And I think if if anything, what the um, what this new variant has reinforced is the the tremendously pressing need for us to ensure that we're getting vaccines to low and middle income countries, because of course it's by and large in those places that we're seeing these variants arise, and they arise because there's not a, a strong level of immunity in the population, and that gives the virus a lot of chances. Um, to create new variants that that could potentially be concerning. Well, and that's the number that jumped out at me as I saw some of the coverage on on this discovery from a couple of days ago, Doctor, is uh, from my understanding, the vaccination rate among adults anyway in South Africa is only 41%. Uh, That's got to be troubling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and of course, you know, um, part of that is is that there needs to be sort of effective messaging to to give people confidence in vaccines. Uh, but another important part is 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 simply vaccine scarcity in in Africa, especially. The issue of vaccine equity is is most pronounced in terms of the number of vaccine doses that have been available there, and of course. There are a lot of other regional health challenges faced there, like, you know, HIV and malaria and tuberculosis, and those things further complicate the coronavirus situation. Indeed, in situations where we see viruses like this that arise with really unusual and unexpectedly high numbers of mutations, um, we think that those viruses often arise because of infection in immunocompromised individuals who are unvaccinated, that basically those individuals support viral replication. They're, They're unable to kill the virus, so it replicates in them for long periods of time, allowing it to evolve unusually quickly. And so those those other sort of um, regional health challenges really even further underscore the importance of ensuring that there's um, good vaccine accessibility uh, in these places, because, of course, it's extremely important to, to the health of the local population. But that what, what people, I think, need to recognize is that has profound implications for the safety of everyone else as well, because, of course, when these variants emerge, they can spread globally very quickly. And and that's one of the takeaways I think we have from what we've seen so far, isn't it, Doctor, over the last, well, I guess almost two years now uh, in dealing with these, is the longer we keep this thing around, in other words, give it a host and, and give it a, pla- a, a place to, to, to fester, this, we're going to get more variants. I mean, that, that's the nature of the virus, isn't it? That as long as it's it's got a place that it, it where there's a fertile place for it to to, to reproduce and, and to morph, it's going to do that, uh, which I guess really just underscores, as you just mentioned, uh, the need for vaccinations on a global basis. And, you know, all our political leaders are talking the talk, but it sounds as if uh, it's it's not getting into the arms of the people that need it in some of these countries. No, it's certainly not. I mean, if we've learned anything through this pandemic, I think one of our great failures has been ensuring equitable global distribution of uh, COVID-19 vaccines. You know, there were, there were you know, really well-intentioned um, grand plans of ways that we were going to facilitate ensuring that, 
you know, these vaccines were equitably distributed, um, whose ambitions really weren't realized. And, And that's been a tremendous global failure to the detriment of everyone in the global community, really, because, um, you know, were, were we able to more effectively provide these vaccines globally, the number of variants that have arisen would very likely be much more modest. And the number of really serious waves that we've experienced during the pandemic, which, of course, have been largely driven by the emergence of new variants, first Alpha in Canada, and then you know most recently Delta. Um, we, we would we would be we would have been in a much better place much more quickly. And, and I know that one of the first reactions, of course, was to start limiting air travel uh, from some of these countries. I know I guess there's one or two cases been identified in Hong Kong, but they identified these were people that actually came from South Africa. Uh, but if again, if history has indicated anything to us, that that it may be a tool, but it's not as effective a tool as as getting the vaccinations. I mean, that that seems to be job one, as we've always said about what's going on here in North America. Vaccination and masking are still the two biggest tools we've got here. Uh, things like limited air travel are going to have limited success if we don't get vaccines to these people. Absolutely, the the um, um, limitation of travel is is really you know sticking a. a finger into a gaping hole in a dam in terms of its its ability to you know have a meaningful impact on the spread of these variants it's a it's a very sort of crude band-aid solution because the reality is that by the time these things are detected given the realities of modern global travel um there's almost always been uh you know spread of cases to to other countries and so you know, I think this this does underscore why policies around, um, you know, testing prior to travel and vaccination requirements prior to travel, um, you know, continue to have value. Right. Because if we um, if we can ensure to the best of our ability that people aren't infected before they get on a flight, that's the best case scenario. Um, but, yeah, limiting travel is a tool we have, but it's a very crude, largely ineffective tool that at best just delays the inevitable. Well, uh, we'll see what the World Health Organization has to say and just how they're going to handle this. And uh, hopefully the next couple of days are going to be pivotal in uh, what we're going to find out and how we're going to deal with this. Uh, doctor, a pleasure to have you on the program today to add some perspective on this. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Matthew Miller. Uh, from Master University, Verona, just an associate professor in biochemistry and biomedical sciences. And we'll certainly keep an eye on that story and uh, bring you any updates on that. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.